Morning, Taproot. <laughs> Going from them to me is a step down. <laughs> Welcome. I have 10 minutes to just sort of wrap our thoughts around some little facets of, of our God becoming human. So let's uh, put ourselves to this task for 10 minutes or so. Question. Maybe before I ask a question, let's just think of the book of Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. There have been 400 years of silence. There have been hundreds and hundreds of years since creation talking about the Messiah, pointing forward to the fulfillment of God's kingdom. We have these 400 years of silence and then we open up with the first page of the New Covenant, the New Testament. And let's look at the New Testament or the New Covenant as God deciding, hey, everything has been pointing forward in history. I am now about to display one of my chief, one of my best displays of myself in my quest to do beautiful warfare with Satan and in my quest to draw sinful, lost mankind to myself. So I can just envision, I trust that you can envision God himself just sort of having lots of fun long time ago saying, gosh, how am I going to open up the first scene of my New Testament? Oh, what fun he must have had thinking that through. And what I want you to, to rest in for a bit is that God certainly had the task of saying, how can I orchestrate all of the strands and the themes of the Old Testament so that they come true in me and the New Testament? But I don't want really, because we could say God had to become human because he had to fulfill this and he had to fulfill that. But for this morning, let's just think about Christmas, God becoming human because God wanted to display himself in a way that made most sense and most beauty to him. Fair enough? Okay, so I got four questions. God clearly said, I choose to become a human. So that means then something like Puget Sound, a large body of water being condensed down into you. Now, how does infinity condense so far that it fits in a human, in a female womb? There's a mind breaker. That's a category squasher, is it not? But God says, that's the way I want it. Okay? And so Christmas begins with an enormous condescension. Not in terms of attitude, bad way of accepting, but a cut and pay, a demotion. God himself steps down out of 1,000% deity and he adds to himself 100% humanity. And that is a demotion. Except that God didn't see it that way. That would be a pure 100% demotion to Satan. Satan would never do that, I think. But God would. That makes sense to you? Okay. Advent. Incarnation. Wow, God choosing to step down and morph into a new being. Never leaving 
Never departing from his deity, but adding humanity. Why? What does God love so much that led him to wed deity and humanity? My answer, my answer is that God simply loves humility. Jesus Christ, a few chapters later, says, I am humble. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, because I'm humble. I'll give you rest. God himself is humble. That's why he decided to start the New Testament with the snapshot of himself as a humble God. Okay. Now, another little observation that comes from the Christmas passage in Matthew. Why did God choose to display himself in the first two chapters not as God the Father. If you read the text, at least as I read it, God chooses to display himself first as God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit orchestrates things in such a way that God the Son is born. I see no mention of God the Father in the first two chapters. And yet we know the Gospel of Matthew is going to end, hey, go everybody all over the place, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why no Father, only Spirit and Son to begin with, ending Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Okay, I don't have an answer to that question, but yes, I do. I think it, the book opens that way because God the Father had a ton of fun saying, I'm going to do battle with Satan himself by not leading with me out in the front. I think the text is trying to say our Father is a very, very humble God. I hope I'm right. You already know from many, many years of having heard the Christmas story that a virgin woman, a woman who had never had sexual intercourse, got pregnant. That doesn't happen very often. And yet it happens this time, and her husband was just about destroyed because he, he, could, he just figured that women get pregnant because of, because of. And then right afterwards, God appears to this man, this confused man who's trying to be righteous. God appears to him in the form of a, of a dream, and he says, Joseph, you can trust her. Okay? And then Joseph does the inconceivable, pun intended, Jim Cobb, okay? <laughs> Joseph marries Mary and then has no sexual intercourse with her until the son is born. He follows the, God's instruction. Now, here's my question. Why did God trust Joseph so much that he was willing to hang Jesus's the son's pedigree on Joseph not having intimate intercourse with his wife. I think the text is trying to tell us that God is a humble God who doesn't have to wrap everything around himself. He's willing to step down to heaven. He's willing to not present himself on the very first page, not willing to sign his autograph as God the Father. And he is willing to trust a young man of his who is very, very confused, but who is righteous. I think God is humble.
Okay. Now, let's, one final question. Huh. Why did God risk having himself in the form of the Son murdered by a ridiculously small, arrogant king named Herod who thought he was very powerful, okay? Who wasn't interested in humility at all. Why did God risk that, okay? And I think that the answer is, once again, because God isn't concerned about displaying himself as having everything under control the way we view things as being under control. I think that the text is saying, God, the high king of heaven, chose to begin the New Testament with a virtue of his that he loves, and it's the virtue called humility. And now I'm going to close with a point, uh, just kind of wrapping around into different aspects of Western culture to say that we too value humility as a wondrous, wondrous virtue. Consider a few of the important books of Western civilization, okay? There's a great book, very, very great book, called The Republic, written a long, long time ago by a Greek guy, okay? And the very, very first sentence of the book, okay? A guy named Plato, he's writing and he says, the very first sentence, we were going down to Piraeus, right before a conversation about power, okay? It wasn't put in there accidentally. The Republic starts off with a statement about humility, and in a sense, you can just read that paragraph and say the book's done, because humility is so important, okay? Let me, let's go to another great book in Western society, Western civilization. Tons of us are familiar with this book. As a matter of fact, there were two books written about it. There's The Hobbit, and then there's the... You don't even need to give you the name of the second book, okay? Ooh, okay. Question, why does the Hobbit and why does the Lord of the Rings revolve around a group of halflings? People who are half as tall as everybody else, okay? They're a bunch of, bunch of stronger people, but Tolkien wanted to say, Half people, small people, humility is very, very important. Yes? Okay. Wow. Humility. Now, I need this message. I'm an only child. Okay? Uh, my parents loved me, and they probably excessively loved me because way too much wrapped around me. So I've had to take a long, long path with lots of bumps, lots of lurches, because I am a man who tends to think too much of myself, in part because I'm a sinner, in part because I, am the, I was raised the way I was raised. Okay? And I am a man who stands before you saying, I, probably more than you, I need the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. I need the humility of our God because I am not a cool dude when I'm not humble, okay? I am not an, a winsome man when I'm living in shame, when I'm living in pride. I'm just not. But when you load me up with a healthy dose of confidence that Jesus Christ has made me enough, the baby Jesus Christ, 
the gospel. Oh, when that makes me enough, then I'm relaxed. I don't have anything to prove. And I'm actually free to be more interested in you than I am in myself. Beautiful quality, is it not? So as we continue our worship here in these next few minutes, I trust that you will rethink your Christmas story. You, we trust that you are a Christian, a little Christ. We trust that you are a person who is not only attracted to the romantic baby Jesus story, which is romantic, but trust that it is in part romantic because it is so powerfully weaving together this attribute of our Jesus Christ, his humility. Okay. Humility can take the kingdom of darkness down. Amen. Merry Christmas.